The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Such a lonely number when your mind is on another. I'm Andrea Askwitz. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in the story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our she. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. You know, I actually really like our intro. Like, it's held up over time. And I'm thinking, like, why are we repeating this every time? Why don't we just have it pre-recorded like most people? But it's so much fun to do. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a good warm-up. Okay, today on our show, we're talking about why it's important to tell and hear stories from diverse voices. The story we share today brings us a Black woman's experience. Pamela McBride is one of the writers at our first and second draft classes. And she actually workshopped this story in my second draft class. And I loved it. So when Pam read her story in class, I had questions about the story. And then I realized that my questions about her story were based on my white woman experience. And then when I wanted to bring this story to writing class radio, I remember talking to you, Allison, about like, hey, I think I want her to tell this part of the story the part about the history of Black women being ignored by doctors. I wanted her to bring that idea up higher. And then I realized anybody who's Black already knows that. That was just for me. And I think the story works as is. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always an editor brings their own perspective, but I think it's especially important for us to understand when there's any sort of gender or race or culture, cultural difference, we have to be um, open to not over editing it, letting the voice speak. Yeah. You're constantly telling me I over edit. And I think you're right. I think that I step into the editor situation with a very heavy hand because I have this all... My edits are based on everything I've ever read or ever experienced. And I am only one perspective. And that's why I think it's really important to hear diverse voices the way that those diverse voices want to be told rather than edited by white Andrea. Yeah. And I run into a little bit of that too when I'm editing these guys um, who are writing from prison, that their lingo, their language is a little different than mine and I want to correct it. But then I think, no, why is mine right? Right. Exactly. so. Right. You know what I mean? I like you decided that that's how something was going to be written. A bunch of white people. Exactly. Historically, white men have decided what is yeah. the canon? What is acceptable language? What is language? Yay. Okay, good. I love it. Back with Pam's story after the break. Hey, this is Allison, host of Writing Class Radio. I know there are many of you out there who don't have access to a writing group or someone to look over your essay or manuscript. If that's the case, I can help. I'm available to help you whip your essay into shape. I'll read through your draft, offer suggestions, line edits, and I'll spend time with you brainstorming for the best possible ending. But be prepared to answer the question, what is this story about? Because if you don't know, 
nobody knows. You know, sometimes it takes more than a bath or a long walk to figure this out. It takes a brutal editor who will tell you what works, what needs more explaining, and what needs to go. For more information, visit writingclassradio.com. Then email allison at writingclassradio.com. Use the code WCR and your first 15 minutes is free. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. We're back. This is Andrea Askowitz, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. Pamela McBride is an Atlanta-based senior advisor to the Director of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion in a federal agency and a 31-year military spouse. She is the co-author of two books. Pamela can be reached at PamelaMcBrideOnline.com, and we'll have links to her website and her Twitter account in our show notes. Here's Pamela reading her story. Hashtag medical gaslighting, the health threat Black women can't ignore. Don't settle for any provider who disregards your instincts and input. Here's how I took control when a doctor dismissed my health concerns. My butt was numb and tingling from sitting for an hour and a half waiting to see the doctor. My lower back spasms worsened and the pain radiated down the back of my left leg. I changed position every few minutes to relieve the pressure and stiffness at the base of my spine. I moved from the exam table to the chair and back again in my paper gown, sitting on the sheet that was meant to cover me. I was in pain and I was edgy. When Dr. Whitecoat walked in, he washed his hands, rattled off the notes from his handheld computer. I had to correct or clarify every statement he read, and he never looked at me. My edgy disposition became even edgier. I crossed my legs, folded my arms, and pursed my lips, waiting for this doctor-patient facade to end. It took longer than I could stand. Finally, I leaned forward and said in my best, I'm trying not to cause a scene voice. I really need you to sit down and listen to me. The doctor stopped tapping the keyboard. He sat down, scooted back his chair, and faced me. Okay, I'm listening. He leaned forward, but two seconds later straightened up and interrupted to ask if I needed prescription refills. I told him no and continued to explain the pain. Again, he interrupted. No more refills? My voice trembled from the back pain and the pain of knowing yet again a doctor was dismissing me. No, I still don't. On my two-week follow-up visit, I didn't let my dissatisfaction with the last interaction carry over to this one. Good morning. What's going on today, Dr. Whitecoat said. My back pain isn't getting any better, and now my left ankle has been swollen for two weeks. I don't know if it has anything to do with my back, but I'm worried because it's not going down. Have you used heat or ice? Both. Then try keeping it elevated. I did that too, I said. I closed my eyes, took a deep breath, and reopened my eyes as I slowly exhaled. This is my go-to self-control mechanism. It keeps me from rolling my eyes, offending someone, and coming across as the angry Black woman. 
I stuck out my leg, wanting him to look at my swollen ankle. He looked at the clock instead. So what would you like to do about your back? Do you want a refill on your muscle relaxer or an MRI? I was stunned. Seriously? He hadn't listened to my concerns, done an examination, or made a diagnosis. But he was asking what treatment I wanted like it was an after-dinner dessert? I was done with this conversation. As he had dismissed me, I dismissed him. Neither, I said with a fake smile, and left, feeling defeated and invisible. I was in physical agony, yet again, I managed my emotions and tempered my actions so the doctor wouldn't feel uncomfortable with or threatened by me. I catered to his feelings while he neglected his obligation to care for my health. I worried about how I presented what I was feeling instead of simply feeling it, a luxury my experiences repeatedly taught me I didn't have. But I shouldn't have to accept a standard of care that leaves me uncertain about my health. I didn't want to be the strong black woman or the angry black woman. I just wanted to be a woman seeking and getting appropriate medical attention. It's the same story no matter the book. Black women can't be too assertive lest we be labeled aggressive. We can't be too creative or we're not following the rules. When we set boundaries, we're being too difficult. We're too vocal about unfairness. We want a handout. We can't be too honest or we're overly dramatic. And every chapter in each of these books ends the same way. We adjust our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, hoping we're granted our right to be seen and heard. This time I would write a new ending. Two days later, I saw a new doctor. What brings you in today, she asked. I gave her the same explanation I'd given Dr. Whitecoat. I've had terrible lower back pain, and now my left ankle has been swollen for two weeks. It's not going down with heat, ice, or elevation. Let me take a look at it, the doctor said, scooting her chair closer and reaching for my ankle. After examining it, she asked about my medical history, physical activity, and medications. I'm going to set up an ultrasound for tomorrow so we can rule out a blood clot, the doctor said. Now that's how it should be. The doctor ruled out medical conditions instead of ruling me out. I had mixed emotions, relieved to be heard finally, but nervous about what I would find out. The following day, the doctor called me with the results. You have deep vein thrombosis. You need to go to the ER right now. As I waited in the ER, I researched blood clots online, making me even more scared. If they'd gotten to my heart or lungs, I could have a heart attack or stroke. What if that was happening while I was trying to get Dr. Whitecoat to pay attention? His refusal to take me seriously put my life at risk. I was grateful the second doctor cared enough to save it. I rolled my shoulders, twisted my neck, and wiped a tear from my eye, feeling overwhelmed that something terrible could have happened to me, and still could as I sat waiting. Within a few hours, extensive testing revealed the clots had indeed traveled to my lungs. The emergency room staff quickly gave me an IV with a blood thinner to dissolve the clots and save my life. I prayed the decision to rewrite my story hadn't come too late to join the voices that advocate for us. I prayed my medical outcome would be a lesson I could share instead of another statistic about the dangers of the disparities in healthcare for Black women. I wanted to encourage Black women to keep fighting the inattentive and dismissive system that enables our inequitable treatment. 
Keep asking questions until they're fully answered. Schedule and attend annual and follow-up appointments. Use our right to choose a provider and refuse anyone with whom we don't feel comfortable. This is what saved my life. I'll never know for sure whether Dr. Whitecoat treated me as he did because of my race. Sadly, he may not even know. But as Black women, we've read the book enough times and we know the characters. Many of us have lived the plot and, according to a recent New York Times article, are calling out the culprits on social media using hashtag medical gaslighting. If we don't take control of the parts we can, we know the ending. So let's write our own story to get the care we deserve. Let's fight as if our lives depend upon it, because the reality is that they do. There's so much rushing through my mind. Like, there's so many things that I want to talk about. The first thing is, is this a service piece as service pieces go? Like, I'm not sure. It is a service piece in that this narrator literally says, keep asking questions until they're fully answered. Schedule and attend annual and follow-up appointments. Use our right to choose a provider and refuse anyone. This is what saved my life. Like she's basically calling out to all Black women to take care of themselves because doctors aren't doing a good enough job. So in that way, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing this story as like an activist piece. I related to this a lot and I'm not black. So even though this narrator was very specific, it was bringing up for me lots of times that I was also ignored. And I think she's not just saying, watch out, you could be ignored. She's saying, if your doctor's not listening to you, find one that will. So in that sense, I think it is a service piece. And I think when something like this happens to you, I think it feels empowering to be able to write about it and get it out there not to call out the doctors because she didn't even drop any names, just to say, listen, we need to protect ourselves because we are important. So one thing that um, you just said that um, it, it sort of struck you in that, yeah, you've been ignored by doctors too. And yeah, so have I. Like I've sat in doctor's offices and I've been like, fucking every time. I'm like, listen, can I have more than th- three minutes? You know, I would like a holistic approach to my health here or even like five minutes so that you can sit here, sit and listen to what I'm telling you. And doctors are constantly telling me everything they know and without even looking at me. So I do get that. But she is giving us this very, very specific experience that she has as a black woman. Have you seen the show? Um, I love this for you. No, it's a new show. It um, It's written by women. The boss of the show is a black woman. I just saw this like two nights ago. So I, I know Pamela McBride's piece. And then I'm watching the show on Hulu, I think, or Showtime. I don't know. There's a black woman who gets a diagnosed with breast cancer. And she's sitting and she's talking to her doctor. The doctor does not look at her. The doctor does not open. Like he doesn't look up from his paper. He completely ignores her the same in the same exact way. And she's like, fuck you and walks out. And I wouldn't have understood that scene had I not heard from Pamela McBride. Like basically the writers of that show, they know this story. Yeah. Well, we're just the last to know, by the way. Right. Exactly. So that's just us being stupid. But I so appreciate being being brought into this reality. Now I understand 
what black women go through. Yeah. And now I've seen it twice in, in literature. Like I've seen it twice in art. It's brutal. You can't win. You can't get upset. You can't speak up. You can't do shit. I mean, it's zaps your power completely. Well, that was the other thing that I thought Pamela McBride did so well is she kept us in her mind. We were sitting with her perspective. Like she knew that this doctor, Dr. White was completely ignoring her. I felt for her because she was so worried about how she was going to come across. And that's also historical. It's like she didn't want to be the angry black woman. She didn't want to be the hysterical black woman. She didn't want to. She it was so hard. Like she didn't. She cared about how doc, the doctor would feel. Ah, and I felt that for her. Do you remember how it came to, to second draft? So we can talk about like the benefits of a writing class and having a, a people basically to bounce ideas off of. What I do remember is when this story came to our class for at the beginning, I wanted her, this is the part that I wanted her to change. And I'm really glad that I didn't assert my opinion in a major way, because I realize now that my opinion is totally based on me being a white woman, but I wanted her to bring up the history of black women being ignored by doctors. Like that's a story black women know that comes later in this piece where she literally says, it's a story we know. And I was like, oh, well, if that's true, let's, let's hear that earlier. But then this story was published in sisters of AARP and sisters is a black publication. Every single one of her audience, all of her readers, they already know this. She didn't need to make any changes to the piece in that way. Some of the things that she did do to to polish up the piece with the help of second draft and our second draft class is fucking, ah, they're such great editors. And I think Pamela would agree. She's one of the great editors in there. There's nine of us total. It's hard to write about medical issues without losing your audience. And so I think she, she, so Pamela had to strip out some of the, some of it, some of the stuff she learned, but she still taught us about deep vein thrombosis and the dangers. Pamela is a really good writer. And she also, she works so hard. Like she comes to class pretty prepared with a pretty clean, clean draft. Well, how about her notes on the recording? I mean, you can tell this woman is organized. Uh-huh. She's like, okay, at 4.02, I blurbed. You're going to need to, you know, move that around. I was like, wow, <laughs> never in 132 episodes has anyone ever like given us such detailed notes. Edits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I was like, okay, you're hired. <laughs> I loved it. I know. I know. She's a military spouse, but she's kind of military herself. Mm-hmm. Very. <laughs> I love it. Very solid. Just my type. I love, love, love people who are organized and on it. Um, I want to talk about like the details that she used to kind of bring me in and make me feel the feelings that, that I think she was going through. Just like when she's sitting on the exam table, she's going from the exam table to the chair and she's wearing the paper gown. I just like, it's so awkward that like, and I really felt how uncomfortable and she was in pain. She was uh, moving from the chair to the, to the table. And she had the sheet, like she was sitting on top of the sheet probably because she was grossed out, like, you know, like she was already a minute in that room was too long, you know, and she was waiting and waiting. So I really felt that. What do you think of her naming the doctor, Dr. Whitecoat? I thought that was effective. I thought it worked because she didn't have to lay into him, but we get the, um, that's a bit name calling in a way. 
Exactly. But in a way, not. With the irony, yeah. Right. I thought that was great too. And she continues it throughout. So that's important. You know, like she just kept going with that. So that was good. That moment where he looked at the clock instead of her, just fucking shit. Yeah. That was such a great moment. That is like, and I'm sure she had a lot of moments and she had to pick one or two of the most repulsive to her. Oh, I remember something that she wrote from, she spent a lot of time in in the first time draft that she brought in, in the waiting room at the um, ER. And now she shifted the focus because it wasn't about waiting and waiting, waiting, although she did, she had to wait hours, but that that's not in the story anymore in the in the same way, because we were like, well, no, it's about being dismissed by an actual doctor. That was a good edit that all, I'm sure the whole class was like, wait, that's getting in the way of your point. I think a lot of times those things come out if you read it out loud, you know, but in front of an audience, sometimes reading out loud in front of an audience, everything stands out. So even sometimes I'm walking around my office reading and reading. And then when I get to class, I'm like, wow, that sounds so stupid. How did I miss that? You read it out loud to yourself in your office? Um, Yes. I walk around my office while I read, you know, sometimes when I'm trying to bring to class or when I'm trying to submit, because I feel like I get inside my own head and I'm just reading, but reading and talking causes my brain to do something different analytically. Yes. And also reading something on paper causes your brain to do something different. I think it, you see things better when you're looking at paper rather than on the screen. Yeah, it's true. We already talked about how she worried about how the doctor would feel. And that was just making me so angry. Two weeks later, she has a different doctor. And this doctor is a woman. She didn't tell us if it was a black woman or not. And I wondered that. And I I kind of, I don't know. Did you want to know more about this new doctor? No, and not really. I, I felt like the fact that she was a woman really said a lot. But then I have had women doctors who are worse than men. So I don't think that the doctor situation is whether it's female or male. I I just felt like finally she found somebody. The important thing was she kept looking until she found somebody who listened to her. And maybe the doctor being a woman was just inconsequential, maybe. No, I I felt the women being a woman was not inconsequential. I felt like maybe the color at that point was inconsequential. Really? Because you just said the opposite. I know. But in this story, I felt that because it was a woman. So we're wondering, is it important if the doctor was black? And I said, I don't think so, because in general, it it has nothing to do with color, race. I mean, everybody can ignore you. It's finding the right doctor. But when I was reading the story, the fact that this was a woman made me feel safe for some reason. I don't know. I wanted to know a little bit more about that from Pam McBride's point of view. Oh, okay. I wanted wanted to know if if the doctor being a woman mattered, if the doctor was a white or a black woman, did that matter? I, I wanted to know. But maybe the... Bottom line was she just found a different doctor, any color, any gender. And this doctor paid attention to her. And that's what she needed to do. And that's what she's telling every woman to do. Keep going until you find the right doctor. Oh, God, it's so exhausting. She says, I didn't let my dissatisfaction with the last interaction carry over to this one. She's seeing Dr. Whitecoat again. I kind of don't believe her there. <laughs> because, yeah, you know, she's trying, but... And then this moment where she closes her eyes and takes a breath. And this is like, this is her go-to self-control mechanism. 
And that's how we know that this narrator has experienced this many times. Yeah. Yeah. And I trust her that she knows how to control herself and not be that angry black woman, which is what she was trying not to come across as just what a burden. Jeez. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking through my notes here. The blood clot did go to her lungs. And then she ends on that call out to all women. Keep asking questions until you get your answers. Choose a provider that won't, that doesn't ignore you. Now, if she had submitted that to us directly, would you have cut all that stuff out and taken the service part out? Might have. I'm a total over editing dick. But um, I liked hearing it and it works for AARP. That's kind of their thing. Yeah. But though she does say, this is what saved my life. So maybe I would have wanted her to word it with that sort of direct address. Maybe I would have wanted it to just be, I did this, I did this, and this is what saved my life rather than a direct address to the listener. It depends. I mean, it depends on the publication you're submitting to. Like you just said, like AARP is into that and somebody like us may not be, but just because somebody cuts out something doesn't mean that they don't like it. You know, if we had cut it out, but it just means that it doesn't fit into their structure or style. It's yeah. a style issue because this story would have worked very well at the end. If the narrator would have just said, I kept asking questions. I moved on until I chose a provider that I felt comfortable with. That's what saved my life. But the ending is always hard. And so it worked and we love it. And we're so glad we got to share it. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Pam McBride. God, I love how you keep using her full name. And we do that because there's another Pam in the class. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, wait, why did I do that? Yeah, that's why. Because Pam McBride is, is Pam, Pamela McBride in my class. Yeah. Uh, before we say goodbye, I want to reiterate a conversation I had with Pam McBride after this recording. Because um, Allison and I were talking about the doctor and wondering whether or not the new doctor was a black woman or a white woman. And I asked Pam if she felt more comfortable with a man or a woman or a black woman or a black man. And she said, the issue here is the race of the patient. And she's said that not everyone's going to act the same, but there are patterns of mistreatment that can't be ignored. And that the American Medical Association has even recognized racism in public health. And they're doing best practices. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but maybe they're talking in medical school. There's probably a lot going on to mitigate racism in medicine. Not enough, obviously. But I thought what was interesting is that the issue is not the doctor as much as it is the race and gender of each patient. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Pamela McBride, for sharing your story. Writing Class Radio is produced by me, Allison Langer, Andrea Askowitz, and by Matt Kundle and Evan Serminski at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music by Courtney Fox. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including essays to study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $10 a month, Andrea will answer all your publishing questions. For $25 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option 
to join Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Eastern or Wednesday night, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take your writing to the next level, for $125 a month, you can get first draft and second draft. In second draft, each week, three people bring a second draft for feedback. Second draft is just such a great model, honestly. That's how we got Pamela McBride's story. It's so great. I love that we came up with it. I know. We? Oh, well. (laughs) Was that your idea? Say it. Say it. What? Okay, Allison. Oh my God. Amazing idea. It's an awesome class. We love it like crazy. I had one last night. It's so effective. It's because half the time you write something, you toss it if you're not going to have a class to bring it to. So you work on it and everyone's so excited about it. We get into it and we brainstorm it. You get really thoughtful feedback. Like every month, each participant gets to bring in a story or maybe twice a month. Like you get a lot of attention in second draft. Join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.